So if you're here early in our service, you heard Marie say our, our vision, our vision for our church is to be a people who follow Jesus everywhere. And another thing she's been saying lately that goes hand in hand is we, we want to be a church for everyone. And that means wherever you are, you could be, don't believe in God at all and say, um, I'm just curious about this thing. You're welcome. If you're, I've been doing this for 40 years in a certain context, and this looks different, but I'm going to give it a try. You're welcome. You could be struggling with whatever, whatever issues in your life. You're welcome here. We, say, we do that on purpose. We, we, we come up with that on purpose. That's not an accident that we, we say these things. These are well thought out. It's like, what, would, what do we think church should look like according to how Jesus did it? And how the New Testament church did it? How did they do church? And we want to look more like Jesus. You know, it's funny. Sometimes doing, doing church is not, a, it's not an easy thing to plan as a leadership because you're trying to balance all of this. You're trying to look at all the scripture. How do I do all this correctly? And, I mean, it's kind of complicated. It's very, I mean, theology is complicated. And one thing that looks really weird in, in, our, in our current society, especially our American Christianity, is how much it doesn't look like Jesus, if you read how Jesus acted. And that's what we don't want. So... That's why, first and foremost, we want to we be a people who follow Jesus everywhere. We try to act like him, do like him. So, you know, if, when it comes to saying we're a church for everyone, we offer grace without judgment. I offer you grace without judgment. And I give you a safe place. We're offering a safe place for you to grow spiritually, wherever you are. And we don't give you a timeline. Some would have us, and some have tried to have us, give a timeline for success. This person, hmm, I heard they were into pornography, and you haven't kicked them out yet. You, you haven't just railed against them yet. Why, why did you do that? And, or whatever the thing is. God holds that timeline, and he's, I mean, I'm not going to show less, <laughs> less grace. I'm going to try to show, give God the space to work. It's the same thing. Some people come here hurting from another church, from religious experiences in their past. Actually, I think all of us have. <laughs> I don't know. There's very few people that have come to this church that haven't been hurt somewhere else. And when they get here, we say you have grace to grow to get through that hurt at your pace, whatever pace that is. And I would like you to fully trust us in that place immediately, but you may not. You may not trust a leader of a church right away. You may be like, eh, I'm going to put a toe in the water, you know. And that's okay. It's okay where you are. And like our only rule is that that what I just offered you, that you offered everyone else. So it's so if I'm not going to try to be the Holy Spirit in everyone, I don't want you to be the Holy Spirit. Try to be the Holy Spirit and uh, control everyone and tell them what pace they're going to 
recover. It's important we tell you this on the front end is because, you know, we don't want you to be shocked or any of this stuff to be a distraction to you as you try to become, you know, growing, us growing into a healthy community together. So the following Jesus everywhere part is, you know, like taking it outside of these walls too, not just what happens on Sunday morning. That's the, that's the tough one, isn't it? I mean, it, isn't it very comfortable to come into a church that says, you're welcome and enjoy the comfort, enjoy our community? I think it is. Well, you guys are like, come on. Give me a nodded head or yes, yes. Anyway. It's very comfortable to be a part of a community that's welcomed you. But all of us churches, when we say, now go tell other people about it and invite them in, that's the hard part. It's the hard part to get, it's that fish in the fish tank saying, I'm very comfortable over here under this rock. And it's very, and now I got a, a few of us around under this rock. It's very comfortable and warm. It's nice there. I don't want to go out to the big, you know, be dropped into the ocean. <clears throat> you know, unless you're a natural evangelist, you know, and some of us do have that personality. It's easy for me to talk to people. But... It is uncomfortable to stretch yourself and, and, and to go out and, and to communicate. <clears throat> but the neat thing is, what we try to do is balance both of those ideas at the same time. Okay, we're trying to be this comfortable place that we can all be a community here. And equally, we want to be going out and everywhere in our daily lives, act like Jesus and follow Jesus. We want to be both at the same time. And there's a tension there because... The tension, what tries to happen is our natural selves tries to take us to that comfortable place and not wanting to go out. And so then that's our job is to push a little and say, well, Jesus wants you to. So, Now, over the last few weeks, we've been doing a, a teaching series about hospitality. And hospitality, you know, um, is... Well, I felt like the easiest way to say it is a way to make someone feel comfortable. So, but hospitality tends to be more about in here. You know, it tends to be more about how, I mean, that's how people hear hospitality usually. We hear it and we think, you know, what's it like? Make a place comfortable for someone to come. But we also can take hospitality with us. <clears throat> Marie shared a couple values of hospitality last week. She said we're supposed to be sacrificial. But she also shared kind of the opposite, is we're not a doormat. So can you see how that's, if you live sacrificially, but don't, don't be stepped on. I mean, which, which is it, Vince? Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. It is. It's both. Uh, she said we should have good boundaries, you know, my boundary is where I end and you begin, and I, I know 
right now, if I know I need rest, then I'm going to be like, no, I cannot, you know, do that for you right now or whatever. And we have to respect it with each other. But at the same time, she said, consider others above yourselves or, you know, that's another thing taught in the Bible. So which is it, Vince? Is it have good boundaries or put someone above you? Yes. The answer is yes. It is. And that's how God works. And another one was be honest. You know, Marie's like in, in community, honest, be honest. And the Bible says to show grace. So which is it? Am I honest with them or do I show grace towards them? And yes, the answer is yes. And so what we do when we try to navigate this is we look at the Bible and see, well, what did Jesus do? You know, how do, and how does the Bible, the Bible does give you clues. I mean, it, if you dive in there. So first, let's look at Jesus on this Matthew uh, 14. Uh-oh. I got my Bible. I'm going to be squinting since I didn't bring my glasses over here. Actually, I know I actually have cheated and have it on here, but I... Anyway, so sad. Don't be a distraction, Vince. Okay, Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, so what he heard had happened is a friend of his, John the Baptist, had been killed in prison. That's what he heard. He heard that. It was bad news, and he was upset. So it said, when he heard about that, he withdrew by boat privately, hear that word, privately, to a solitary place. (laughs) The next part of that hearing of this... The crowds followed him on foot from the towns. They ran to the next shore wherever he parked his boat. They walked all the way to get and beat him there. That's, that's just mind-blowing. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Okay? So do you see that? What just happened? Jesus wanted a boundaries, solitary moment. I need my alone time. Let's make it happen. So let's just get in a boat and just go to the next town. He tried to make that happen, and it didn't work. (laughs) When he got there, he could have said, I got strong boundaries. Not right now, everyone. I'll talk to you later. But he felt compassion, so he sacrificed. He lived sacrificially. Now, let's go down to verse 22. He has healed all their sick, and he has fed... He went ahead and added on to it. Later on, the disciples are like, you know, it's getting late. Why don't you let them, uh, why don't you tell everyone to go home? We've had enough. You know, you've healed everyone. And he's like, why don't you feed them? And they fed the 5,000 men. And they said, you know, every Bible scholar say that's probably 20,000 people that they fed with a miracle. So Jesus just stacked on top. I'm going to even stay longer and do more. So Jesus went just flow with what the Holy Spirit was doing. And then verse 22, though, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. He said, get out of here. I need to be alone, alone. It didn't work out. He's like, I need my alone time for real this time. He told him to go away. He told him to go to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. So there's your balance. So did he have good boundaries? Yes. Did he sacrifice, live sacrificially? Yes. He did both. 
Let's look at John uh, 14, 26. Here's one thing Jesus had that he said he was going to give us. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. Jesus also talked about the Holy Spirit that if you, he's like, if you get taken before leaders, he said, don't even think about what you're going to say at a time. I'm going to give you the words to say. So my point here is this is, I mean, this is, this is a part of the, how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, we have the Holy Spirit. And he will guide us. And that's what Jesus had. And that's why Jesus was able to move in that kind of knowing when to sacrifice and when to say, I have to be alone. Let's quickly look at Colossians 4. Colossians 4 verse 5. So this is cool. This is an actual verse in the Bible. Okay, there's a verse in the Bible that says, this is how you act towards outsiders. So if there was ever a question, how do you act towards people that are not of your religion? This is how you act. Well, he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be Always full of grace. He said always full of grace. Seasoned with salt, which I don't know exactly how that looks. So that's up for your own taste of, uh uh-oh, did I say that? Yes. That's up for your own, what is seasoned with salt, but so that you may know how to answer everyone. But he's saying when you're dealing with people, when you're dealing with the, the tension on how to talk to someone with these boundaries, with these, with these different conflicting things. Be full of grace. And be wise. So we got, I think this, I, this really needs to be our first one. We, we need to be spirit led. We need to be wise and full of grace. And that's really our starting point on how to balance all this out. You know, one, one Sunday morning, uh, we were in a sermon series someone else was preaching about being um, a good neighbor. And then so after church, I prayed, God, help me be that good neighbor. And, and, and the challenge of it was, do you know every one of your neighbors? And in our modern society, how many of us, very few of us, I, not me, knows every neighbor by name and really has relationship with them because it's kind of a, it, it's, we kind of got a standoffish thing generally. And I, I felt convicted, but I just prayed, God, you know, help me be a neighbor wherever I am. You know, like I said, follow Jesus everywhere. Just help it. And that week he answered the prayer twice. So that's what he does. Uh, I met, I was burning some brush at my house and this young man came up and said, nice fire. And he wanted to talk to me about it, you know? And I was like, cool. We talked. He was, a uh, he was disabled, and um, he had schizophrenia, I think, and he also was developmentally challenged. So um, it was an interesting relationship that we had. And I played a lot of basketball that summer because of him, you know, hanging out. He was really good at basketball, and um, and he would ask for things. And it, it was a give-and-take relationship. It was, you know, can you give me a ride here? Can you give me a ride here? And sometimes I said, yes, I can give you a ride here. And sometimes I... 
I cannot give you a ride. And not today. I can't even go play basketball today. But sometimes me and him played basketball and we whipped up on the Lakers, you know. I mean, so uh, we had fun. It was an interesting relationship. And it definitely, that relationship grew me a lot. It grew me a lot. And I think me and Marie were there for him at a really critical time because his family had went through hell of a murder in the family and a, a brother caught stealing. I, it was just, you know, it was just a mess of a, fa- of a situation. And that's all I know is at the end of it is God had been good to him and had friends that he could go through this. And we, you know, I have no good, no powerful ending <laughs> on this story, except for that is all I know. I don't know what God has done with him, but I know we helped him and it helped us. And my other one was a neighbor moved in and their family had some generational poverty where they had all, he had, there was grandparents, parents, and then him and this girl that he was dating all lived in the same house. None of them were married because it would affect their disability payments. So they all lived on disability and they were teaching him how to get disability. I mean, this is the, how the training and they, not only that, but they taught how to steal from each different store. And then if you steal something and then go return it, I bought this and I've lost my receipt. You can get, you can get a gift card or whatever. I mean, that, that you get a certain amount within a certain amount of time. So they knew each store that they could go to within so many six months of doing that and had a circle of, I mean, that was their life. And that's all they did. And then go home and eat and drink and be merry. Yeah, it, it, was, just, it was just a crazy lifestyle. And, um, but he didn't, he was kind of up and down the youngest guy that I met. He's like 24 and he, he, I don't know, he was just struggling with their, with everything there. And eventually they moved away and abandoned him. And, but I had built relationship with him over time. And whenever the opportunity came, whenever he was at his crisis and he let me pray with him and he accepted Jesus. And that was awesome. And, and, you know, since then he moved, you know, he moved in, I don't know how he is today, but all I, and I knew God had stuff to work on him, but it was an exciting thing that, that, that happened. And that, he asked me one time, could you give me whatever money? And I let him help me do lawn work. Okay. That's how I did the money thing with him. He also asked, would you like to buy a gift card from Walmart for $20? It's a $30 gift card. And I said, no, I said, and at the time, the way I said it was, I said, I said, I work for Walmart. I mean, I work at the distribution center. I don't work for this store, but I work for the distribution center. I'm a manager there. I said, I wouldn't want it to appear like if I did this, it could almost appear like I'm taking a stolen thing and, you know, and I'm making it clear to him, I see. I didn't say, you're a thief, you're going to hell. I just said, look, this appears like this. It doesn't appear very legit, and I can't participate in that. But come on over later on and, you know, we'll sit and talk on my porch tonight. And, it, you know, it was the same way in both these relationships. I, I did the best I could. And, 
And that's not saying I did that perfect. I don't know. I mean, all I know is I did the best I could. And when I came up to a moment that I bumped into one of my boundaries, I just held it out there and said, no, I cannot do that. And I didn't say anything judgmental towards them at all. Because that's not, that wasn't, they didn't ask me what about. Whenever I uh, led the one to Jesus, though, I said, listen, I know your lifestyle. And I, t- I mean, because he opened up to me. What do you think? Blah. And he just told me, I was like, listen, your, your family does this, this, and this, and this, right? Yeah, you know. Well, you knew? Oh. <laughs> you know, that's funny. You knew? No. None of us would know you were stealing. And uh, yeah, of course I knew. That was shocking to him. That did something in his heart. It broke down a wall that I knew, but I had not attacked that. But I told him the truth just then. And did I say, blah, blah. But I didn't say, that's a sin, you're going to hell. What I said was, I was like, does this life that you guys live, is this, does it feel like a life? And I mean, I was passionate. I was like, does this feel like a life? I mean, really? That's, that's your, this, this thing you're doing. You, your family's been doing, does that feel like a life? I was like, don't, I was like, you see my life, right? I was like, don't I seem kind of free? Yeah, I'm working. That doesn't seem free to someone that's not working. There's, oh, I don't have to work. I was like, I'm working, but don't I seem free? I mean, don't I seem free? Aren't we happy and free? And he said, yes. And he wanted what we had. Be spirit-led. Be wise, be full of grace. Now, if you've known me very long, you would know one of my favorite stories. We're going to do it anyway again. Okay, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. It's one of the best stories in the Bible on seeing how did Jesus act? How would Jesus do this? In verse 4, now he... Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, Sychar, I don't know. I didn't do my homework. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey. Here he is again, tired. Probably it would be nice to sit down and have some alone time. Sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? So it says in verse 8, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So he was alone. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So we're just talking Jesus breaking the cultural and the religious rules right away. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked for you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than the father, our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So she didn't know he's talking spiritual yet. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So Jesus right here, a couple things happened. He just had the Holy Spirit tell him a secret about her. It's like we did earlier, a prophecy or a word of knowledge. He, the Holy Spirit gave him a word of knowledge about this lady's life. He's not supposed to know this. And how does he say that to her? First, he starts with that, hey, go get your husband and we'll talk about this living water. So he, he opens that up and she is honest. And then he's just like, that is quite true. And he told her about her past. So do you see what he did and what he didn't do? So what he did was say, this is something true about you that God sees. That he sees where you are right now and what your past is. And what he didn't do was say, and you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Right? He could have, as, as Jesus, he could have condemned her completely and said, but that's not how he approached her. And actually what he does, some of this next part, it can sound like a complicated, it's a little complicated um, theologically where he goes into a theological discussion with her. But we're going to read through that. In verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. So she's like, wow, you know stuff about me. So you're obviously somebody. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So she opens this theological thing like, Let's go ahead and talk about it. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet. So there's, there's the most important word in that whole section here is yet. He's, he's discussing theology of, where, of worship with the Jews and how he knows it's going to go to the Samaritans next. He told his disciples to do that. Go to Samaria. And up until this time, that's not how it was. And that's, that's a whole different discussion about covenant with God and how all that worked. But the New Testament, Jesus like, he said, yet a time is coming and has now come. So he's, through him, it has come now. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. He's telling her she is that kind. If she worships in spirit and truth, she, it doesn't matter she's a Samaritan. It doesn't matter she's a woman with all of her past. The future is if she worships God in spirit and truth, he is, that's who is being welcomed. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So you see, again, Jesus being spirit-led and being wise on his words. 
and full of grace. He showed grace towards how he dealt with a woman who has got a past and she is she's an outsider in her situation. In verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman yeah, in Samaria. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of whom of him who sent me and to finish his work. So let's look at, look at what the woman did. Jesus showed her honesty and grace. He sacrificed his time to talk to her. He was tired from the journey. I don't know if he actually got to drink any of the water, but she did leave the jar, so. But she believed he is the Messiah. And it's cool what happens. She, she went, so verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him just because of her testimony, because of the woman's testimony. Her testimony was this. He told me everything I ever did. That's all she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay. And he stayed two days, again, sacrificing his time. And because of this, uh, because of his words, many more became believers. Then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. This is what we're called to do. This is, we can't be exactly like Jesus all the time, right? And get in a deep theological debate. Not all of us. I mean, some people are really good theologically. And some of us like to, some people like to discuss theology. But Jesus could pop that off because he knew it. He lived it. And it's not a bad thing to learn it. It's good to learn theology, But we can at least be like this woman. She accepted Jesus just based on, you know, that grace that had been given to her. He, she believed he was the Messiah. So she shared that story. That was her, that was her, that was her going out. That was like, if you want to go out, all you do is share your story. Her story was, he told me everything I did. There was a man one time, it said Jesus, uh, he was blind and Jesus healed him. And then all he did, he said all day was, all I know is I was blind and now I see. They're like, well, who did it? This, he's like, this guy named Jesus, but I don't know anything about him. They're like, is he a sinner? I don't know. All I know is I'm bl I was blind and now I see. And that's all he said. They mentioned last night at the recovery thing, as Marie mentioned, we went to, that there was, um, that the guy that was filled with 
demons, the story that Jesus cast the demons out and they went into pigs. And the people saw this man sitting here in his right mind, all dressed, clothed, talking normal, not demon possessed, like, you know, and it scared them. And they said, leave. They were scared of Jesus's power. It freaked them out. And that guy's like, I want to, I want to be your follower. I want to go with you. Let me follow you. He begged him. And Jesus said, no, he's like, you just tell your story of what God did for you. And the guy did tell the people that story. And then later on, they accepted Jesus back into their town. His story was all I know. (laughs) I don't know what I was because I was possessed so bad. I couldn't, I wasn't in my right mind, but now all I know is I'm free now. That's it. That's my theology. I'm free. So my conclusion is be spirit led, you know, be wise, be full of grace. And then the last one, she just said, you know, she was be yourself, be yourself. God has cool stuff for each of us, for each of you. Really cool, cool encounters. Sometimes we get them right, and, you know, sometimes we don't. Uh, the other day, Marie and I were eating at a Denny's. When uh, we were out of town, we ate at a Denny's, and uh, we had a waitress taking care of us real good. Well, one of the other workers there just came over to our table and started talking. <laughs> he was like, you want some more coffee? Okay, but then he sat there uncomfortably for 15 minutes, not even kidding, of just, but he started just telling his life story to us. He just, blah, told us everything. And about and the things he cares about with work and what he's trying to teach his young son to do the right thing and how much much money he's making at this job, how much he used to make at the other job, and he had to quit this other job. They weren't giving it anyway. He just was blah. Well, it was just neat accepting him at the time, and I just felt uh, me and Marie felt peace, a connection of God that just letting him talk and talk with him and just letting me share his story with someone. Now I wish. You know, I would have really, I wish God gave me something to say to him, encouraging or whatever, and maybe I didn't try hard enough to, but at the same time, if he needed to talk and and we let him talk, that was something. So, um, so I'm glad that opportunity came, but those opportunities are there every day. We just have to, we have to pray for them and we want to make sure that we have hospitality with us as we, as we go do it. You know, the, another thing in, that, in, the, in Colossians, before the part that I read in Colossians in, in chapter 4, it says, Paul is saying, pray for me that I can, uh, number one, open, have open doors that I can speak. So that's a good prayer for you if, if you're wanting to dive into this, what I'm saying is, I mean, pray for wisdom, you know, and... Uh, Pray that you're full of grace. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Try to be spirit-led. Be yourself. But, you know, pray for opportunity. Pray, God, let me be a neighbor. Let me be hospitable wherever I go. And and Paul said that. Pray for open doors that I can do. And then he said, pray that I can speak it well as it should be. That I, I, I speak correctly as I should. If I'm going to talk about Jesus, I want to do it correctly. And correctly just... <laughs> 
Don't paint the wrong picture of Jesus is, is what it needs to be. I don't have to get all my theology perfect, but I need to not paint a picture of him as, as something other than he is.